1: So Jimbo Fisher was the big draw at the SEC media days, and he said, guess what, he deserved to be fired at Florida State had he not already left for Texas A&M. We'll give you 7.5 million reasons why he needs to win right away for the Aggies. And he also gave another full-throated support for his former quarterback, Jameis Winston. Hey, the home run derby, did you catch any of this? It was won by the hometown hero, Bryce Harper, who beats the Cubs' Kyle Schwarber in the finals in dramatic fashion. Speaking of the All-Stars, Blake Snell could be the third pitcher in the game for the American League, and we'll tell you what Zach Greinke said about the Rays' opening pitcher concept. Not a big fan. And how much revenue did each NFL team make last season before they sold a single ticket or a hot dog? You won't believe this figure. All this and more on this Tuesday edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on today's podcast, let me tell you about a special offer from audible.com. Sign up now, and you get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value, and as a listener to this podcast, you also get a free audiobook. Now, here's what you do. Go to audibletrial.com sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trialcom slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. So, Steve, SEC Media Days began Monday, and uh, the big attraction—don't you was mean Jimbo the Alabama Fitch.
2: coronation days? Well, kind of, yeah.
1: Although I think I think it was not a day uh, for the king just yet. You know, they kind of work up to the Alabama um, Nick Saban, you know, kiss the ring day, but uh, they haven't gotten to that just yet. So, the big attraction, at least on Monday, uh, for people around here anyway, was Jimbo Fisher, of course. Coached at Florida State, and last year just had a terrible year. He was five and six before they said bye bye, uh, with uh, the final regular season to go, and then the bowl game. Remember Odell Hagins ended up uh, coaching them and, and, and winning his last two games. So no love last loss for Jimbo Fisher in the way the way things went. Um, although you know prior to last season, you know this guy was the man that took over from Bobby Bowden. Not an easy job. He won ten games, then nine, then twelve. 14, 13, 10, and 10. That included the BCS Champ- National Championship that he that he won uh, with Jameis Winston. And then they lost in the semifinal uh, at the Rose Bowl to Oregon. Uh, here's what he said. I- I'll give him credit for this much, Steve. He-, he did not try to, I don't know, create like a false narrative when it comes to this. Uh, when he talked about his final year at Florida State, and I can't say it as fast as Jimbo obviously did because he talks very fast. Um, but he said, the uh, whole thing got away from me and I became obsessed with things I shouldn't have while completely neglecting the things that needed my attention the most. I lost the team. I lost a whole lot of very winnable games. Frankly, I deserve to be gone. That's about as close as you're going to get to an admission that, yeah, I was checked out. And he was.
2: Make, he no, was, make yeah. no mistake about that. He was. After they lost that first game to Alabama and he lost his quarterback. And quarterback. Yeah. He checked out. And, he, you know, every year he had flirted with other teams. Now, how serious those flirtations were, we don't know. But it was, you know, is it LSU? Um, if Saban were to leave, is it Bama? Uh, you know, he was always rumored to be the, the next coach anywhere. Right. And, and willingly, he willingly let that happen, too, which is mm-hmm. a good negotiating ploy, to be
1: honest. Absolutely. That's how you you ratchet up your value with the, with the employer that you currently have, while you know keeping those longing eyes for everybody else. But the fact of the matter is, is that Florida State should never, even with the loss of their starting quarterback, which was significant. Okay, that knocked them out of any chance for the ACC title. I mean, Clemson has it rolling. I think Clemson right now is almost on par with Alabama in terms of its in terms of its program. You know, Dabo Sweeney, mm-hmm. what he has done. Um, they just reload and they are you know they are cranking. Uh, much the way Alabama has um, you know,
2: Clemson in the A C C obviously. It's pretty it's pretty um, much Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State do that every year.
1: Yeah, those three teams I think are yeah. I there, think they're all There's some all other teams sort
2: of, that get close every few years and then they step back a little bit, but those three teams mm-hmm. just reload.
1: And you can't forget UCF, the national champions, but well. that's aside. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I love poking UCF. It's just funny to me. The thirteen and zero. Hey, they got the phenomenal rings, they got season. The
2: license. Phenomenal season, but you're not the national champion. Phenomenal. They're incredible. Arugula.
1: All my four letter words. I mean, to yeah, go I to think- go
2: from zero and twelve to thirteen and zero in two years is is incredible. Oh, it was it was a really good year. I mean, I'm not I'm not dismerching that. It's
1: just, do we need the license plates too? Really? <laughs> anyway, um, the whole thing got away from uh, uh, from Jimbo. But there's no way. To your point, there was no way. With the talent just the mere talent i mean Florida State um now some would argue that he had sort of year by year kind of fell off you know in terms of his recruiting effort certainly he didn't try to recruit anybody last season in his last season there um, when recruiting season came around hell he didn't even try to coach he was too focused on getting his next job um, but but with the talent they had already assembled even losing the quarterback there's no way this team should have been five and six when they finally told him to get the hell out of there um, they they had enough to win more games than that and they had they had some close games that they lost to boot mm-hmm. you know where they just did just didn't coach well didn't play well um so it became it, it was it's one of the bigger I don't know embarrassing coaching meltdowns if you will at Florida State and I know why you know if you're a Florida State fan and I've talked to a lot of them they they can't stand the guy um, and yet, yeah, except you 2 know,
2: years prior they couldn't. Yeah, two, yeah, phone over him before enough. that.
1: Right, he couldn't do he could do no wrong. Um I think he was in a tough position when he got there. You know, the coaching waiting thing is bizarre to me. He takes over from a legend in Bowden and Bowden kind of has, you know, a a bad reaction to how that all went down and and didn't show up for a while and um you know, and so, you know, at that point the recruiting had gone down because everybody was recruiting against Florida State saying, hey, Bobby's going to retire, you know, he's not going to coach anymore, he's lost it, all that stuff. Um, so that didn't help him in his early years, but he still managed to, his first year he won 10 games in nine. Uh, and nine, then, and then he was loaded for bear. By the time the, his, his first recruiting, recruiting class got to be Jameis's class um, and, we're, and were playing, you know, they, they started to take off, and of course, you know, Winston was such a big part of his success, right? I mean, that was the guy, the Heisman Trophy winner, Um, you know, loses, what, one game in his entire uh, career as a starter there. Um, And so, you know, Jimbo sort of rode him uh, and other players. I mean, they had really, really good players, obviously, uh, to a national championship. And I think what has happened in college football, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you know, unless you're – well. I mean, now, obviously, Urban Meyer's at Ohio State, and I don't don't perceive him leaving to go to a better job because I'm not sure there is one for him right now. Unless he goes to the NFL. Uh, Unless it was to the NFL. Um, But I think what happens with these jobs, Steve, is that you kind of become a victim of your success in terms of, okay, so I've built the program up. We're national contenders now. But no one seems to appreciate how hard it is for me to win. I mean, even Saban went through this, you know, mm-hmm. for a while. I mean, remember, he had Jimmy Sexton, who I know very well as an agent because he's Parcells' agent, um, not too many years ago, you know, he was going to go ride into Texas on a white horse and turn around the Longhorns. And that was very, very close to being a done deal. And then, you know, he got cold feet or, or the the deal he wanted Alabama, whatever. But Saban has said it many, many times over, and, and, and it is that, you know, gosh, no one's happy unless we win a national championship. And I I think that, that, you know, and Jimbo obviously had some issues with the administration and, you know, he wanted better facilities. He didn't think they were, you know. So he had all these demands and, um, you know, he wasn't getting enough love. Um, and so he had a former assistant, you know, athletic director that he worked with at LSU, was the athletic director at A&M. And he obviously started his flirtations way early, you know, you know, this is what you call the classic, overlapper. You know, if you were a married guy that found his girlfriend to marry next before he divorced his wife, um, you know, the divorce was imminent. It was going to happen. But, but I mean, look at the money he got. I mean, seven and a half million dollars to go to a place like Texas A and M. Um, you know, who he felt had everything he needs, except for one thing. They're in the SEC, and in my mind, the difference between those jobs is that you know. He'll have to beat Alabama. That's the only way you're going to win, you know, probably uh, have a chance. At, 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 at Well, let me put it this way. National title would be great, okay? But an SEC title
2: would make you a hero forever at A&M. It would. You know? but, I mean, here's the thing, though. The SEC, to me, is weaker than the ACC overall now. It wasn't that way three, four years ago.
1: It's, no, it shifted. Alab- Alabama, you, yeah.
2: Georgia, and Auburn at the top. Are yep. better than the top three ACC teams. I mean, Clemson, Alabama. I think you know, pick them. Clemson and anybody,
1: yeah, yeah. right. Clemson, Throw those but, two but, out. But yeah. George,
2: Georgia and Auburn are probably better than the next two SEC teams as a whole. Over you know, every year it could switch a little
1: bit. The next two ACC teams, or ACC mean, okay, teams, so, I'm sorry. yeah, yeah. So Miami. So we're talking about Miami. Miami, and maybe Florida State's and the other
2: one. Florida State, or yeah. you know, Louisville's up there, or you know. But the SEC's got some bad teams at the bottom now. I well, mean, they do. They're, they're, not, they're not. They're not that top-heavy conference. They're not. They're not loaded like they were a few years ago. There's a few teams that are. They're not. They're mm-hmm. not as loaded. Now his problem is he's in Alabama's division, so he's got to beat right. Alabama every year. But, Just to get there, yeah. But how long Sabin going to stay on too?
1: Well, I don't know. And, I mean,
2: you know, in Texas A and M, so you're in a weaker conference, I think, than the ACC overall. And Texas A and M's got more money than Florida State will ever have to put into football. The, the oh, money, yeah. the money that the Texas schools have is just insane, and the resources they will give him, he's got a shot to to bring national titles there. Absolutely, he's a good enough coach too. They'll have all the resources in the world. Recruiting in Texas is phenomenal.
1: Oh, it's a great state. I mean, if you can keep guys home and and keep them from going to UT, um, and you're the best school in know, the state right now, right?
2: right. I mean, Tom Herman's at Texas, and he may get that turned around and. You know they showed some signs last year of you know starting that, but and you've got Texas Tech and Baylor and that, but I mean, you know Texas A&M is the best school in Texas, which is outside of maybe Florida the most fertile recruiting ground, and you got all the money in the world at Texas A&M. You got, he's got a chance to be really successful there, and I don't think they're yeah, thinking I, SEC championship. They're thinking national championship when they judge him.
1: Well, or are they? Not, not I mean, this
2: year. Not this year. I'm saying. Yeah. But, you know, give them three, four, five years. They're gonna they're gonna expect a national title there.
1: Yeah, I just think that I, I, again. I I think that it's baby steps for them. If they were to able to to be in in an SEC championship game, mm-hmm. if they were able to unseat Alabama ever. I mean, obviously he has to do that to get there. So that's yes. that's a big enough. And if you're able to do that, that that puts you in the national championship, you know, mode. I mean, you're already uh, you know if you're that if you're that good, you're gonna you're going to be ranked very high and you're probably going to get in the BCS uh playoff. Um at least you would assume as much. So, he's got to he's got to take down the giant and you know, um you know, but it, at Florida State, look, Clems, Clemson had uh, I I really don't think to me there's not much difference these days between mm-hmm. Clemson and Alabama. I mean, they've met, you know, so many times. Now, three, time, you know, yeah. the B, three, three times, you three times I believe, in the BCS bowl. Yeah. And and to me, Dabo Sweeney is a is a kinder, gentler version who is just as smart uh, and has just as much going for his program as, as Alabama does right now. Um, so so neither you know neither path is 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 paved with gold. It's not it's not really very easy. But um, clearly, Jimbo was looking one to get paid. Um, you know, two to be you know to to have a, a restart with an administrator mm-hmm. and an administration that he trusted that. He felt would pour money into the program, and they and they certainly have, and they will. Um, and I just think that these guys, college football, to me, like there's not, you know, Saban's been there now for a good long spell at Alabama. I think I think Urban Meyer would probably, you know, will probably be at Ohio State until he until he retires. I mean, I don't, no, I don't it's as long as he wants
2: to be, he'll be there as long as, as he long, wants. Yeah,
1: to be. exactly. But but for the most part, you know, it, it seems like these college football coaches. Have to kind of move around um, after they win if they win a title or uh, you know and again Dabo built something up to where I think Dabo could stay as long as he probably wants. Um, I mean, college football is a coaches it's a coaches game. It's what, not a yeah. Player's what's the game. what's
2: the one characteristic of college coaching that's different than the NFL coaching? They're control freaks. Absolutely. And so, absolutely, the one thing they can't control is the narrative of. Why haven't you won a national championship the last two years when you won one three years ago? That's right, and it bugs them. They can't control that. College Drives coaches, as a whole, are control freaks, which is why a lot of college coaches don't work in the pros. Mm-hmm. Same with you know college basketball and NBA. I mean, Brad Stevens is an ex- exception that when he goes to the pros because yeah. he was a different type of coach. He wasn't your typical control freak coach at Butler. Right. You know, John Calipari didn't work in the NBA because he's a control freak. Yeah.
1: And that's, that's My, the difference between college and pro of anything,
2: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, c- college coaches can control when you go to bed, what you eat, what you do, what you can do on social media, when you can talk to the media. When you, they can control everything about your life. Yep. Can't do that in the pros. And these college coaches, no. so, but they can't control the media. They can't control the boosters saying, well, you won a national title two years ago, but you only won 11 games last year. What's wrong? And so the grass always looks greener on the other side. The other thing is I think that's some right. of these coaches just get bored. They get it rolling, and it's it's it, they want a new challenge. I mean, I think not for every coach is that way, and I don't know if Jimbo's that way, but I think sometimes once, you, you know, th- there's there's fun in building a program, and once it's there, it's kind of like where's the challenge anymore?
1: Well, and that's, yeah, the challenge or the fact that, you know, all you can do, um, you know, because you've raised the bar, is you have to win a national title or everybody thinks you're a failure, and it's just not that easy, and – I think they they become disgusted with the alumni. They they feel like, you know, um, you people are never satisfied. Look what I've done. You know, ten wins is a good year. It doesn't. We're not always going to win fourteen. And, you know, it, it's that's it's that sort of thing. Um, so, look, I wasn't surprised when he left, but I thought he was fairly honest today, and and uh, I thought the SEC meet or the SEC meetings got off to a to sort of a rousing start. Um, and then, not surprisingly, another topic that came up, of course, as it usually does with uh, with Jimbo Fisher and with what's going on, was Jameis Winston. And look, Jimbo Fisher owes Jameis Winston a hell of a lot, and I'm sure vice versa. I'm sure, you know, the one you thing you could I argue know, Jameis ta- owes
2: Jimbo a lot. He
1: does. He does, and and uh, and I mean a lot because, listen. Jimbo Fisher, if you talk to NFL coaches, they'll tell you with the offense he runs, particularly the quarterback, and as much as he has to do with the line of scrimmage, um, it is as close to a pro style offense as you're going to find in college football. Um, even with all the college football, you know, sprint options and the fact that they're never under center. I mean, there are some differences, obviously, in the NFL and the college football game, even at Florida State. But Jimbo really prepared Jameis well for the next level. And. You know, he um, gets a lot of credit for Jameis' development, and, and I think Jameis, you know, obviously rewarded him with, with good performances. But consider what, you know, what they went through together. I mean, consider the the trouble that Jameis had and how, you know, time after time, whether it was a small thing like crab legs or a big thing like, the you know, the allegations of sexual assault, how he stood by this guy and was resolute in uh, in sort of, and sort of defending him while also not being afraid to get in his face at times, especially on the football field. So there's this mutual affection they have for each other, and it's, and it's real. Uh, and Jimbo Fisher was asked about Jameis, uh, and not surprisingly, about you know about the trouble he's gotten into and what his reaction to it was. And he merely said what you would expect. He goes, I love Jameis. Hopefully he'll be able to move on. Obviously, you know that, that's something that he'll uh, be able to move on from. And yes, I love him. I still think he's a tremendous young man. I really do. Unfortunately, he made a bit, some bad decisions this past season, or whenever he did it. I don't know exactly know when, when that was. But I still love him. If you're gonna, if you're around him, you'll understand what I mean. There's not a better player, a guy who works as much as anyone. Um, but he made a mistake, and obviously, he'll pay the consequences for that, and will move on. If that doesn't sound. <laughs> I mean, what could he say, right? But if that doesn't sound like everything he said the whole time he was at Florida State with, with Jameis, I don't know what does. Um, so what would you make of, of that sort? I mean, kind of expected from Jimbo, right, with Jameis Winston?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're ex-coach who you you both accomplished so much together, and, you know, Jimbo Fisher's probably not at Texas A&M without Jameis Winston. Agreed. He's not getting paid $7.5 million a year. Agreed. Jameis Winston may not even be in the pros. I mean, he might have been suspended under a different coach True for things. Um, you know, they're kind of will be forever linked together with that. Yep. And, and you would expect a, a glowing, um, you know, endorsement you know, yeah. from, from Jimbo on that. I, I thought it was probably a little more glowing than I would have done. Right. Knowing that it, this is now two sexual assault this is not, allegations. Well, that's, see,
1: that's the thing that, that I mean, you, you come you know, across. He, as, did, he
2: did kind of couch it where, you know, hey, whatever it was, I don't know all the details. I don't, you know. Sure. Kind of. Sure. That's fine. Off, but but, you know, but, that's, but this is, is not, this not is his.
1: Two. Yeah. this. I mean, and Jimbo is all too aware of bad decisions that James has made, both large and perhaps small. Um, again, never convicted, never charged, investigated twice. I get it. I get all of it. I know there was a civil suit um you know there are people that, that uh you know if you're Jameis, if you believe in Jameis, you believe that he was telling the truth then and and uh uh merely you know was was falsely accused um you know some others might say that what happened a year after his rookie season was a, is is some kind of a pattern or some kind of a um you know of something that that he needs to address and and I guess he is addressing it, but um you know, it's interesting that you know Jimbo sort of glides over the fact that this all began when he was the coach at Florida State, uh, and it's not his his you know first time he's he's been in a little bit of trouble or a lot of trouble, um, but it is the first time that he's going to face a multiple game suspension in the NFL. Uh, and, and Jimbo, you know, look when the Bucks were doing their due diligence, and it was Lovey Smith. I will say this until until uh, till the end of the day that. You know, you can look at Dirk Cutter or Jason Light, who was certainly the GM back then. No one, and I mean no one, at with with the Buccaneers, not not the ownership, uh, certainly not Jason Light. Dirk Cutter was the offensive coordinator at the time. No one wanted Jameis Winston more than Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith drove that decision. Um, they, you know, they talked to seventy different people, um, you know, and it was, you know, let's talk about the elephant in the room and at the combine, and we don't know what happened. Uh, but we looked into everything and we're comfortable with him as the face of our franchise. It was Lovey Smith that wanted that quarterback over Marcus Mariota or anybody else that might have been came, – came available. So that's as much as any singular person why um, Jameis Winston is here. But uh, they did do a lot of homework on him, and they, they were at least comfortable enough. And, you know, now it's come back to bite him a little bit with the three-game suspension. We'll see what happens going forward. Obviously, Lovey Smith got fired after his second year. And he's now, you know, the head coach at uh, the University of Illinois. So uh, all that has changed. But Jason Light is still here. Um, and I can just remember, like, the conversations that that Jason had with Jimbo Fisher just about, you know, what – and everything is, you know, on the field has, has proven to be true. I mean, the guy uh, is driven. He is a charismatic leader. He is, um, you know, a guy that works very, very hard. Um, you know, he loves football. All those things that that Fisher talked about – and and I think the Bucs really leaned on Jimbo Fisher's expertise because there was nobody closer to Jameis um or or you know coached him harder than Jimbo and Jameis loves to be coached hard. So and why, didn't they why, they just hire, Cutter, why
2: didn't they hire Jimbo Fisher?
1: You know, it's a great question. There was a time there really was a time after they dismissed Lovey that I thought that might be a possibility. And and I don't know for, for all I know, they called him and he said I, I don't want to coach in the NFL. Um, you know, because obviously they're gonna call a lot of people. But that is the one guy um, that that would seem to have um, you know gotten a lot out of him and, and 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 you know coached him hard. Again, they they had the most success together. And Jameis, you know, before or since has not had the kind of success he had under Jimbo Fisher. And you wonder if the Bucks were ever tempted to reach out and and see if Jimbo would consider coaching in the NFL after Lovey left. And maybe they did. I mean, certainly they call Saban every time they have an opening. I can guarantee you that. That I know for a fact, sure, every as does, team does that. many teams, but the Bucks in particular have called him um, probably even after this past season before they decided to stick with Dirk. Um, but it is an interesting question as to uh, as to uh, as to whether you know Jimbo would have ever entertained that. Um, but here we are. I mean, it was again. It's always interesting to hear Jimbo Fisher. Uh, he's a, he's a character. He's still. I would say, Steve, you may disagree with me. I still think he's one of the top four coaches in college football easily.
2: I, well, I think, you know, we've talked about Saban, Meyer, and Sweeney the as the three. top three. Yeah, yeah. But Jim Moe, I'd put, Jim Mo, I'd put uh, James Franklin up there.
1: Uh, yeah, Bob okay. Stoops
2: isn't there anymore at Oklahoma, so he's not there. Right, Mark Rick,
1: is he in there somewhere? Or? Yeah, I mean, you know, Maybe
2: Kirby Smart may get to there. I mean, what he's done with George already, although he's, uh, I don't think he has a long enough track record yet to put him in the top. Oh,
1: don't forget it. We're forgetting your boy at, 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 you know, Big Blue. No, he's got, Blue. he's got to
2: win a Big Ten championship before I'm going to put him in the top four. <laughs> I mean, he's on paper. A, he's got to find a quarterback. He actually, he's got, he's got, he's got,
0: he's got everything Jim he Is Jim Harbaugh on paper
1: one of the top four or five coaches? I mean, does he have to win every, you know, does he have to beat Ohio State or? Or Michigan State to be considered one of the top college be football nice if coaches he could, right now. You
2: know, do that once in a while. It would be nice. Um, you know, I, this year will be a tough year for them. They'll they'll be a good team, but they got all their they got Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State on the road this year. So next year's the year they got a shot to win it. I've said that wow. since he got hired. Actually, it was year. If you looked at the schedule on the roster, year five was the year he had a shot. How patient is Michigan fan to keep Harbaugh? Uh, I think if they don't buy next year, then it's then it, it gets really toasty. You think so? By year
1: doesn't five he have the con- by
2: year five? Does not he have the
1: contract for life? Didn't he the guy that – Ready to pop the
0: question?
2: Sign that uh I, I don't wrong? think he signed it. i think they talked about it i don't know if oh, they okay. signed it but the contract for life was basically like as long as he wants to stay but there's outs in it i mean it was what they were talking about
1: i've always thought that and i don't know how we got off on harbaugh but we'll, we, we can we can we can uh transition here to the home run derby in a <laughs> second but I've, I've always thought that harbaugh would go back and and complete the end and i'll tell you why i think that now look he he could you know he could be Bo, the next Bo Shembackler. I mean, he could coach there for twenty years, for all I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that that is an option, obviously. And Michigan is, is is the one place he could do that. And special to him, really special to his family and all that. So I get it, um, Ann Arbor and quarterback of Michigan. But to me, he's got a little spurrier in him in the, in this sense, in that you know he started in college at San Diego, mm-hmm. then went to Stanford. Um, he goes to the 49ers, and he's in the NFC Championship game three times. He loses to his brother, for God's sakes, in the Super Bowl against the Ravens. Uh, and then, even despite another good season after that, he ends up, you know, he burns the place down, right? The, the, the uh, Jed York and the 49ers couldn't take him anymore Well, the and, ultimate
2: and, control and, freak and he will burn an nfl and, team oh, down. he may win you a championship but he'll burn your he'll burn your organization there's a down. Lo,
1: yeah there's a lot of parallels to me between yeah. him and gruden and guys like him and it college it know, works the, because
2: the players are rotated out every
1: four years that's correct but it's it's the old you know crazy genius of, of some of these guys like a harbaugh um and i think urban meyer you know has sort of that persona in some ways too but i always thought the harbaugh because to me Harbaugh was that quarterback that was just good enough, you know. Got Indianapolis to an AFC Championship game. They probably could have, should have caught the hell Mary Pittsburgh goes Mary, Pittsburgh goes on to win the Super Bowl. He he was good but not great, you know, with the Bears. I mean, he was that guy, mm-hmm. and 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 he came so close in the NFL to. I mean, I, look, try to try to go to the NFC Championship game three times in in four years or whatever it was. And that's that's you know really hard to do. And and he was right there. He didn't win the Super Bowl. I still think there's a part of him that always wanna go back and say, you know what? I want to get that Super Bowl. I wanna get I wanna prove that, you know, it was it was the organization that submarined me and and you know, I made it work with Kaepernick and he's never been anything since and I can do this in the NFL. And and I could be completely wrong. And I guess a lot will depend on how Michigan if they turn a corner or not. Because like I said, he could be there for twenty years. But there's something about him that tells me he wants to be the guy. That wins a Super Bowl. I, th- I, don't, I don't. I don't
2: disagree with you, but I don't think it's a, a burning desire. That's like now. I think no. I don't I think longer term. I think right yes. now. I think from what I've I've heard and seen up there is that you know his family's very happy there. His wife loves Ann Arbor, and he's with his dad there. Right, you know, family. No, fa- yeah. If the family situation changes, you know, if something happened to his dad or whatever, that may change things. But I, I think right. long term, I agree with you. But I don't think it's a burning desire where it's like you know, every time a team calls every year, because they call him every year. They call and, him and every a team with an opening calls him and asks, just like Nick Saban gets the calls, and I'm sure Urban Meyer yep. does, and, and others. Mm-hmm. And um, he has said, but no. I don't think it's, it's something he's. I think you listen to anything, but I don't think he's seriously considering anything unless something knocks his socks off. Well, I'm just going
1: to say that, you know, Sarah's sister lives in the Tampa Bay area. That's all I'm going to say about that. His wife. So, yeah. But here's what you got to do for him, and we'll get well, off the. Well, there this may be exact. a coaching
2: opening here next year, so.
1: Yeah, well, and, and a quarterback <laughs> that he likes, Jameis Winston. But here's what you got to do you got to give him like $10 million a year, full control. Uh, and be willing to turn the keys over to the building, and hope he doesn't catch it on fire. I mean, that's that's really what it takes. It's Mm -hmm. it's an all in. It's an all. You're going to get a Saban, you're going to get a Harbaugh, Meyer. That's what it's going to take. Yep, you got to be willing to just say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna back way off and hope that when we come back, that that our complex is still standing, and that's that's sort of where you're at. Or
2: hope he won you a championship, and you can live with it. Yeah, which 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 you would trade, John
1: Gruden. Exactly. Same guy, same kind of genius. I I totally, you know, totally agree. Um, Okay. So we had the home run derby. What'd you think of that? Are you a big home run derby guys? I like the way they do it now because they got, you know, it's a four minute timer. You get, you get bonus time, 30 seconds. If you hit one 440 some feet, whatever. Um, And uh, I thought, I think it moved pretty good uh, today. Um, It turned out to uh, not a surprise. I mean, if you were predicting this, and I think Steve, you said this the other day, Bryce Harper, um, since the game is in Washington, you know, with the Nationals, he finds himself in the finals. He got kind of a good draw too. He didn't have to stand up there and hit a ton of home runs early in the uh, in the early rounds. But he goes up against uh, Kyle Schwarber, who who was phenomenal. I mean, I think he probably hit his more. Hit, total I believe he home hit the runs. most
2: home runs tonight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was he was up right around eighteen or so every round. Just about. Um, he was fantastic, um, but you know. Of course, Harper Harper gets it done in in dramatic fashion. He used the extra time in his final round to hit the one bomb that he needed, and uh, I, I you know I'm not I'm not I'm not a huge home run derby guy, but I thought it was I thought it was relatively entertaining. Look, the All Star Game isn't isn't all that exciting. It might not be as exciting as as it was tonight. The new the new, uh, for, the new format
2: mean? with the timing is is good it, it, for a lot of reasons. It doesn't drag on too long. Um, that clock puts pressure on the players. Which then, you know, also the crowd gets into it more and more as the clock ticks down. And There's, you got a timeout, which I like. Mm-hmm. I like yep. the timeout. Yep. And then the bonus time where if you, you know, you're hitting long, majestic mm-hmm. home runs, you get bonuses. So, I mean, Harper's right. just the third player to win the Home Run Derby in their home park. Oh, wow. Todd Frazier four, three years ago in Cincinnati and then Ryan Sandberg did it. Wow, not. that's it going 1990 way back. or maybe in the late 80s or 90, something like I don't remember the year. I think it was 90 at right. Wrigley Field. So and it's now, cool. It's honest. cool when the crowd gets that that into it because they're hometown. Oh, they guys were so mean, lit. Oh, they were so lit. Yeah, and it's their send off to Bryce because you know he'll be gone at the end of the yeah, year. if not sooner
1: because he'd be a teammate of Schwabies pretty soon. The guy that he beat, um,
2: <laughs> or Freddie Freeman, did, who he beat, it would be his teammate in Atlanta, or you know, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, somebody. Yep. This this could be his swang song. But now, be honest, did you miss Berman?
2: No, you didn't. No.
1: Whoa. Back, back, and, back, and back,
2: back, back. I was nope. a huge fan of Berman for you know growing up and everything <laughs> else, but the last few years he's worn on me. I did not miss. He hit that always. one
1: all the way to Annapolis, he's acres a, he's away.
2: A, he's a phenomenal broadcaster, <laughs> you know, a legend, Hall of Famer, but his whole and especially once he started doing play by, he's awful at play by play awful i'm man. just talking about
1: the derby forget but, well, about but, him but as a brand. Bron- because now play because now really, you're hitting but, me kind of personal because berman's one of my favorites
2: oh, I, like i said know? i mean i grew up but, loving you know him and tom jackson on prime time and you watched it every sunday oh, yeah. night and i mean it was much must watch tv and uh, you know I, I was a huge fan of berman but it just the shtick just kind of got old and he never kind of adapted the shtick <laughs> the, the home run derby though man Really? Back back, back, back,
1: back, 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 back. Whoa, he hit that one to the Lincoln Memorial. Four scores and 18 home runs ago. You know, it's just been <laughs> – I mean, he could have had fun with it, but I, I kind of miss him. And he, you know, they brought him back for uh, – what was it, last year in the playoffs for the two the, – uh, They brought him back for a couple – Tom of Jackson? Or, uh, yeah. yeah, For the for the, yeah. the two-minute uh, – what did they used to call that damn two thing? Two-minute drill. The, the... Uh, no, it wasn't that. It was, it was what you said. It was – NFL
2: primetime? Um, primetime. Primetime, yeah. Prime
1: time. yeah. It was that. Um, it was kind of cool when they did. I mean, they did highlights very, very well.
2: Oh, him and Tom Jackson, Jackson together thing. were phenomenal. It's it's kind of like yeah, you were, know, the, the old uh, Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick were you know together on right. Sports Center they was had, just They had they a magical had chemistry. chemistry together. Absolutely.
1: And that's what Berman did best was narrate highlights. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He just did. Looking for that, man. You know, he used to do it kind of like the whole Cosell type thing. So um, we were mentioning the home in Derby. Schwarber, by the way, I guess he had a former – did you know? You told me this. I was not aware. Former Eckerd College player was pitching to him.
2: Mike Sinicola is a friend of his, and he's a former Eckerd College player, and and he's a Tampa-based trainer, according to Mark Topkin's tweet tonight.
1: It's very cool. I got to meet Schwarber. I'm going to drop some names if you want to pick them up. Um, Man, uh, we're doing a uh, lot of that lately. My back's – I know. Well, it's what I do. Um, We had (laughs) – that was the whole shtick on the the radio. uh, We had – we had – uh joe madden you know does his thankmas thing and he had a bunch of his cup cubs guy gown and and the most impressive thing there were several things about about schwarbs was that he lost a ton of weight i mean his body looks great remember he was a very roly-poly kind of guy he was a yes he man. was and he can't play the outfield for for nothing but um but man he can he can hit and he changed his body with his diet primarily um and uh he still looks great and just a heck of a nice guy pose for photos and all that so um, it was kind of cool to see him in the finals because actually, somebody actually kind of got to meet. But, yeah, uh, a uh, kid from uh, Ecker or not a kid, but a uh, guy that played at Ecker College that was uh, that was pitching to him. So the All-Star game uh, will be tonight, and Blake Snell is an All-Star, which is a good thing. Um, and uh, well, The Rays will have an
2: All-Star since Wilson Ramos is out. I mean, he's there, but –
1: too bad for him. Yeah, know, it's really way. bad
2: because, I mean, those fans in Washington also love him too. So, I mean, it's kind of that homecoming – which, you know, par- probably part of the reason he got voted in was a lot of Washington fans voting for him, too. I'll bet. I'll bet they did. I mean, did. he deserved the it. Thing, but
1: Yeah, and the thing is, is that now that he's injured, he may he may stay injured past the trade deadline. We don't know, uh, which could affect their ability to trade him. So this thing could have all kinds of repercussions. But Blake Snell was there. And um, I guess uh, Mark Tompkins reporting that he could be the uh, as early as the third pitcher in the game. He the was
2: considered team. to start, they said. Uh, Chris Sale's mm-hmm. going to get the start from Boston. Uh, and Chris Sale said that Blake Snell, does, you know, should have been considered to start if not starting. Um, Bla- it was cool. Uh, Mark Topkin was tweeting that uh, Blake Snell. Uh, at, they asked he asked Blake, you know, who who do you want to talk to here? And he said Chris Sale. And I guess Blake yeah. went, cornered Chris Sale, and Chris Sale's like, with the year you're having, you don't need to ask me any questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Sale Sale is just nasty, man. Ooh. That guy. Oh man, especially against the Rays, eyes, man. Having... The Rays do not do well against him. No. They, and not a lot of guys are doing well, but certainly no. the Rays. Also, there was a note, I guess, uh, Tompkin had, uh, in, and you can read it on TampaBay.com or on, on, his, on his Twitter feed or whatever, but um, he, uh, I guess he, Zach Greinke was asked about, you know, the Rays' whole opening pitcher concept. And Greinke, uh, while, he, while admitting that, you know, it's kind of a smart thing to do and it's effective, obviously, or has been since they really went with it in earnest about the middle of May, he called it a sideshow.
2: Yeah, he said it's smart, but not good for baseball, and it will hurt. And, and the, the sideshow comment was related to it's going to hurt the way payor, players get paid, yeah. which, which he's Start, not wrong. Starting pitchers. He's not right. wrong. No, he's right. I mean, no, now your, right. your starters, you're, you know, the thing is about when it comes to stats and things like that is the opener cannot get a win because you, you have to pitch five innings to get a win in baseball. You're not going to get wins, and as a starter, you're not going to rack up strikeouts or innings, so how are you getting paid? And that is a consideration. Do you think they would change that? I mean, in terms of like, there's a lot of people that want to abolish the win anyway because it's a bad stat as it is. But well, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's not a horrible stat. But I mean, it's it's interesting that
1: you know if you start a game, you got to go at least five complete, right? But I can come in in the middle of game or in the second inning, and I could earn the win if the scorekeeper decides that I should be the winning pitcher, or and or they score, you know, the separating runs that. Well, wind up, yeah, one of the reasons the wins the is bad,
2: and Diego Castillo had this the other day where he came in, gave up the lead, gave up two or three runs in an inning, and then that next half inning, the race took the lead back. Well, he could get the win for giving up three right. runs
1: for giving and, up in yeah. an
2: inning I mean that's you know that's yeah. one of the reasons people think the win's a bad stat is I you know it, your man. offense went off there but but a lot of it is viewed how we view pitchers as wins and and just like you know people think batting average is a bad stat now. Um, it's all about on-base percentage and everything, OPS plus and everything else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that is one of the considerations with the opener and whether it's any of the motivation the Rays had in doing this, I, I tend to think it's probably no. small in there. I mean, it's maybe a nice side benefit of it for them. but
1: Small revenue team, though, you can't afford starting right. pitching. This is going to be the way to go for a lot of these small revenue teams. Sure, if, you, if you, Instead of having five starters, which will cost you – you know, obviously a, a frontline starter. I mean, if you're talking about a guy like David Price or Chris, I mean, it's $25 million the, the race could never afford that when their pitchers get that mm-hmm. good, they're moving on and they always have. But if if you're a small market team and maybe you're lucky enough to have some young guys like um, Blake Snell and, 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 some others that uh, are bona fide frontline starters and you keep them until you lose control of them. But Beyond that, you can you know pretty much fill out your rotation with guys that don't make a lot of money and they only have to pitch a couple innings. This the guys that are getting squeezed, in my opinion. And I know he signed a decent deal with the, with the Orioles, but he was down at IMG for I don't know you know three months all of spring whatever. training. All of spring training is 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 a guy like Alex Cobb. Alex Cobb has never won more than eleven games in any season. There you go with the wins again. But um, he's a guy that's been injured, and yet he took the ball you know when healthy and and you know he would give you he was an innings. Innings guy, he'd chew up some innings. Well, a guy like that's really valuable or was really valuable from a financial standpoint to a lot of teams um, and looked upon as maybe not a number one starter, but maybe a guy that's three or four that can help your rotation. Well, now that guy is not going to get paid. I think that's who Zach Renke's talking about is somebody like that, that, you know, they're not paying him to be a starting pitcher. They might throw him in the bullpen, and let him go four or five innings or, um, you know, make him be the opener one day. Um, but, those that's who's getting squeezed, I think, in this whole thing.
2: Yeah, I think long-term, I think you're going to, you know, by next year I think you're going to see a lot more teams employing this uh, yes. strategy for, you know, one or two spots in their rotation, uh, you know, especially with the success the Rays have had for the last two months with it. We'll see how the, you know, remaining two and a half months of the season go with it, uh, especially if they can make a run at the playoffs, then it will really really may take off even more. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's going to change the way – we look at stats, and I mean, you know, Ryan Stanek now has the record for most consecutive starts without giving up a run at nine.
0: Now mm-hmm. it's like
2: thirteen innings in there when Oral Hersizer went, you know, seven starts <laughs> and fifty some innings doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it changes the way we're going to look at stats. It, you know, it may really change the debate on the win, as far as you know how you give that. You know, it, what it, value is there? Yeah, um, you know, so it's 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 going to be interesting, especially how many teams adapt this in the future, and if any big market teams start you know, seeing this as an opportunity too if they don't have enough starting pitching.
1: Right. Well, we're already seeing, you know, the the, the back end of, of the bullpens of these really high-level contending teams like the Yankees. We've seen in playoff games, especially if you're in a wild-card situation or what or what have you, you need your starter to go five innings and it's over. You know, it's, it becomes a five-inning game with the kind of guys they can bring in for six, seven, eight, and nine. Um, so, you know, in, in a sense, maybe not at the front end, but, you know, certainly they're bringing in their, uh, their A bullpen earlier and earlier with that with that many power arms down there. Um, finally, and not to be uh, overlooked, but, uh, I, you know, this is the time of year that's uh, always interesting because if there's one team in the NFL, you know, the NFL is a very closely guarded secret society where they don't want to share their books with anybody, right, unless there's a strike or some kind of legal thing that forces the action. Um, but because the Green Bay Packers are publicly owned, and there are there are stockholders and things like that. It's not a it's not a family. It's not a single owner situation. Uh, some of the revenue information kind of seeps out each year uh, about the previous season. And take a guess, ladies and gentlemen, how much each NFL club made in terms of their revenue um, from just the shared revenues, not uh, not before they sold a game ticket, before they sold a hot dog, um, you know, before they sold, you know, a pass to park, any of that stuff. Club seats, suites, any of that. Um, presumably sponsorships, concerts um, you at know, your stadium, venue, concerts at your venue, stadium naming rights. Before any of that, each team, based on the Green Bay Packers information, Green Bay Packers received last year alone from The NFL and shared revenue $255 million. That's what came in for all you know for each of the 32
2: teams. That's eight point one six billion dollars.
1: <sighs> Incredible. And when you consider that the player cost, to put it in perspective, I think the, the I want to say that the maximum cap or the ceiling of the cap was somewhere in the neighborhood of. One hundred fifty five, one hundred fifty six, one sixty seven last year, one sixty seven. Okay, so it went up. It was one sixty seven, but still, you're talking north of eighty, eighty five million dollars per team uh, in profit. Profit.
2: Well, th- in- that's that's player. I mean, you still have staff and everything else you're paying for. That's not a part of, of the course. I'm talking. So, I'm, so, I'm yeah.
1: talking players' cost. Yeah. But yeah, come on now, really? I mean, coaches. I guess you know, figuring that. Um, but. Man, I mean, talk about. So, for all that, you know, I know, you know, there's ratings dips and there's been attendance dips and, and, you know, lots of talk about what goes off the field, the national anthem, all this. Sure, all of that, you know, could eventually have an impact on other revenue. um, But in terms of the game's popularity, in terms of making money, um, they're still printing it. And that doesn't include where this game is headed with the new media and what they're able to charge for streaming um, and, and different things like that. The fact that, you know, Sky Sports uh, in in England now with all the games they televise over there is going to end up paying them a billion dollars with a B. And I'm telling you, when these when these TV revenue, when these TV contracts come up, the prices are not going down. They are just not. Because, you know, live programming, you know, if you have an NFL game, whatever day of the week it is, it's going to be your high, highest-rated show, period. And um, because that's, that's really – you know, what television has become is looking for live events.
2: Looking for anything these... people want to watch live. That's In correct. Sport, that's sports what... is the only thing they found that consistently people won't watch tape delay. They'll watch live. Right,
1: right. So I just get a kick out of, you know, and I'm not, be- I mean, I could beat up on the bucks because they're just one of 32, but it's always interesting to me. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, to stay competitive, we we got to raise ticket prices this year. <laughs> really do you do you really got to do that this year well you know we're kind of in the top bottom 15 if you will and there's you know, pressure from uh, the other owners to do it of course there is of course there is you got to keep up with the joneses and i really mean jared jones in this case but you have to stay competitive with with everybody else but it just it it's that you'll never there will never be an nfl owner that's going out of business there'll never be an nfl owner that's not making enough money um, you know, and of course, the CBA determines what the salary cap is every year, uh, based on. Well, it's all based on those revenues. Uh, it's a percentage of the revenues on, the league yeah, pulls the, in. D, d, yeah, designated gross revenues (DGR) um, is uh, they get a percentage of that, and that that that's why the cap goes up each year because the revenues go up each year. They're About two hundred twenty-five, two hundred fifty-five million dollars per team before you do anything. That's good. That's good money if you can make it there. I tell you what, man. That's how they got to pay me ten million dollars. You know what I mean? Think about the Raiders, yeah, man.
2: John, you should be asking for a raise.
1: I might have to do that. You know what I mean? We go to Las Vegas. They got all those casinos out there, man. I'll tell you what, we Johnny Vegas. So we'll uh, we'll take that and think about it as we head into the uh, the NFLC. Man, we are so close. What are we? Nine days? I want to say nine days from the. Reporting day for training camp. Rookies come in next Tuesday. We're a week away. Yeah, a week from, from that. The
2: rookies coming in.
1: Um that's that's here, man. I'm getting I'm getting the shakes a little bit. This is the time of year I get Got your nervous.
2: sunscreen uh, You ready? Oh my god.
1: Let me tell you. Let me tell you. It was so humid today. How humid was it?
2: Uh that was my line. If yeah, you're gonna ask how I humid saw- it is, I'm supposed to say. <laughs> how humid was it? Stressed. Saw a dog. I saw trees fighting come to over rehearsal a dog
1: today. It was so bad. <laughs> there were there were dog trees fighting over dogs. Uh, I yeah. don't know. Uh, but it was humid and it and it's it it feels like training camp out there. It just feels that way. And it was funny because you know the uh, not so funny, but the when when the guys were last together about five or six weeks ago, um, some of these rookies were like, "Man, it's kind of hot." You know, yeah, that Florida heat's really different. And 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 the veterans like. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> Don't think this is anything. This is this is nothing coming We haven't got to, to August gonna, yet. Yeah, you're gonna burst into flames when you come out of here in August. Uh and that's that's what's gonna happen. And and I tell you what, the fans better get their sunscreen too, because um I know there's not as many open dates for people that aren't season pass holders, but remember they had the big uh, no covered uh bleachers. grandstands with the cover there's no covered bleachers this year. You better bring your own umbrellas. Now you you might get the chance to go inside the uh the uh air conditioned facility Uh, once in a while the practice field's there because that's seat about 3500 but those will be mostly on special days. Um, So if you are coming out to One Buck Place this year, I recommend you bring something like a big sombrero or something to keep the sun off your face because it is going to be hotter than you remember for sure. So uh, something to look forward to there. Anyway, uh, busy night, busy day in in sports, and um, enjoyed hearing from Jimbo Fisher. Of course, uh, Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times is – uh, going to be at the SEC meetings, I think, uh, as long as they go on. So there'll be there'll be more news coming out of there. With uh, I think there's with two Florida more days of that, I believe. Yeah, a couple more days with that. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the All Star game, which is tonight. Um, so we'll see who uh, who prevails in that, and just how Blake Snell does in his appearance, which could be as, as soon as maybe the third or or fourth inning or so. So that'll be something to watch as well. Um, so lots to talk about. We're going to have a mailbag this week. We'll try to we'll try to uh, Lean on Tom Jones to get off the couch and get away from his Southern Comfort uh, TV viewing and and join us maybe one day this week. So lots in store. We appreciate you guys joining us. We are here and love your interaction. Love to hear from you about this podcast. You can always reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me at NFL Stroud or certainly by email at rstroud at Tampa bay com rate and review
2: this podcast if you would please Steve where can they do that anywhere you get podcast iTunes Google Play Stitcher iHeartRadio SoundCloud anywhere you get a third party app that's what I use on my phones a third party app just search Sports Day Tampa Bay hit subscribe it'll download your mobile device every day click likes on the post share them with friends or leave comments on there that always helps us out
1: enjoy the All Star Game I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick have a great Tuesday everybody.